This is the Trip Center. Welcome back to the Trip Center. The Trip Center is here for wilderness canoe trippers to pick up advice and insight on planning canoe camping trips. It can seem like a lot of preparation, but we can't let the fear of the unknown keep us from getting outdoors. I'm your host, a canoe trip leader, Katie Tozer. Let's get out there. I'm so excited that you're considering a canoe trip for your next adventure. I was fortunate enough to spend eight summers in the Minnesota Canadian wilderness thanks to a summer camp called Ogeechee Dakway. I'll link to them in the episode notes. If part of the reason you're here is because a summer camp inspired a love of nature in you, give them a shout out. You can find us on Twitter at the Trip Center with underscores for spaces. I'm finding now that trip planning falls on our shoulders, it's important to share what we know. So that's what this podcast is about. The first three episodes are going to be a mini podcast series on knowing where you're going. We're going to look at the three national parks that make up the Minnesota Canadian Wilderness Area. In that region, You've got the Boundary Waters Canoe Area, or BWCA, and Voyagers National Park in Minnesota. In Ontario, we've got Quetico Provincial Park. These parks are all neighbors. You can actually paddle from one into the other, but they've got slightly different histories, definitely different personalities, and slightly different policies. Together, These parks cover 2.4 million acres of protected land and water. To compare, Yellowstone National Park is 2.2. It's definitely worth spending time on each one to figure out which one's right for you. There are other places to canoe. The Hudson Bay Area, for one, with a rich history in the fur trade. And there's rivers and lakes from the Arctic to the north of the U.S., But we're starting in this area because they're ideal for someone who's planning their own trip for the first time, taking first-timers with them, or trying to take less than a week off of work. This is because they have visitor centers, outfitters, rangers who will check on you. They have airports a reasonable distance away as well. We're going to start with the Boundary Waters today. The Boundary Waters is 1.1 million acres, situated between Duluth, Minnesota, and Thunder Bay, Ontario, right next to Ely, Minnesota. It was initially protected tangentially when Teddy Roosevelt protected the Superior National Forest in 1909. It got some attention in 1926 as the Boundary Waters canoeing area There were activists throughout the entire 20th century trying to protect this area, and we'll learn more about one a little later on. But it wasn't until 1964, when the United States Wilderness Act passed, that the BWCA was fully protected as it stands today. Since 1964, these areas have been set aside for our recreation. 
There are over a thousand lakes and rivers in the BWCA, with over 2,000 campsites. That said, there are over 250,000 visitors at the BWCA every year. So while there are tons of campsites, more here than at the Voyagers Park or Quetico, I will say it's where I've had to compete for campsites more often than not. Campsites at all three parks are first come, first serve, so you can get used to that. That shouldn't turn anyone away if you're thinking about a relaxing vacation, because the trip will still be very rewarding, and there will be a campsite for you if you got a permit. You don't want to keep paddling in most cases if the sun has set and you don't have camp set up. The early risers are rewarded out here. If the campsite you're aiming for does happen to be occupied when you get there, there are plenty, and I've never stated a bad one in the BWCA. But that's important to be cautious, plan some extra time, don't look for camp as soon as everyone's starving and can't paddle another stroke. Try to get to camp while you still have some energy. The Boundary Waters campsites are pretty chic as far as camping goes. The layout of a typical campsite is going to have a landing site where you're going to rest your canoes. That's often a low sloped granite rock. Uh, sometimes there are sandy landings as well. Those make for great swimming areas, of course. But I have had to pull up to a more steep rock face, which is great for drying out your clothes and resting on later, but it can be a little tough to unload your gear. So another reason to get there while the sun's still up. Once you've got your boats and your gear on land, you'll see a kitchen, which is typically a semicircle of stones with a grate over the top. So that enables you to build a fire underneath the grate protected by the stones and do your cooking. There are different sized campsites. There are more of the small campsites. The maximum size for a campsite is 9 or 10 people. That's the most you can get a permit for at one campsite. And that translates typically to three tent sites. There are designated tent sites at the Boundary Waters, and you'll notice them because they're often set aside on little raised beds. Somewhere either near the tents or near the kitchen area, they will have little benches that are made of just logs that are very comfortable to sit on after a day in the, in the canoe. The Boundary Waters does have another interesting feature that sets it apart from the other parks. They have handicap accessible camping sites, I believe two or three. Peak season at the Boundary Waters begins May 1st and ends on Labor Day in September. May and June are going to be a little bit buggy. That's mosquitoes and black flies because that's the end of the spring. June and July are the warmest months with the longest days, and a chill starts to set in as early as August. You could have a 40-degree night any time over the summer, so you want to be prepared for that. June and July are going to have the most traffic because they are the warmest months, and kids are out of school. Before you go, make sure that you've booked your reservation for the number of people you expect to have and the dates you expect to be there. 
When you're booking, you can expect to pay a $10 fee for booking and then $16 per adult per night. Larger groups can take advantage of group rates. Once you've paid your fees and gotten your permit, make sure you print that out and tuck it in a laminated pouch so that you can have that with you if a ranger comes by your site. I wanted to mention that a lot of outfitters will offer pickup and drop-off services. There is parking available at some of the put-in spots. Again, parking is going to be harder to come by in June and July. Thank you for bearing with me through all of those logistics. Let's take a break and do a segment I'd like to call a moment of zen. We have a reading for you from one of the Boundary Waters' most prominent defenders. His name is Sigurd Olson, and he's written nine collections of essays about canoeing in these areas. He lived in Eli, Minnesota for most of his adult life, where he was a canoe trip guide in many summers. He also served in the National Park Service for many years, was in the Wilderness Society, and was president of the National Parks Association for many years. This is a reading from Sigurd Olson's 1938 essay, Why Wilderness? While wilderness means escape from the perplexing problems of everyday life and freedom from the tyranny of wires, bells, schedules, and pressing responsibility, Nevertheless, it may be at first a decided shock, and days and even weeks may pass before men are finally aware that the tension is gone. When the realization does come, they experience a peace of mind and relaxation which a short time before it would have seemed impossible. With this dramatic change of atmosphere comes an equally dramatic change in individual reactions, as they feel the need of front and reserve is gone. I have seen state educators dignified surgeons, congressmen, and admirals, tie up their heads in gaudy bandanas, go shirtless to bring on the tan of the northern sun, and wear bowie knives in their belts. I have seen them glory in the muck of portages, fight the crashing combers on stormy lakes with the abandon of boys on their first adventure. I have heard them laugh as they haven't laughed for years, and bellow old songs in the teeth of the gale. With their newfound freedom and release, Many things become important that were half forgotten. Sunsets, the coloring of clouds and leaves, reflections in the water. I can honestly say that I have heard more laughter in a week out there than in any month in town. Men laugh and sing as naturally as breathing once the stream is gone. Thank you to Dan Steinbaugh for reading us this passage, and thank you to Sigurd Olson for seeing the value in the Boundary Waters before so many others did. The wilderness does still need protection. There is a deposit of nickel and copper outside the Boundary Waters, and the government is currently removing restrictions. Scientists believe that nickel and copper mining does damage to nearby waterways. There's currently a petition you can find at savetheboundarywaters.org that I'll link to. If you are ready to experience the lifting of strain and tension from everyday life, hopefully we can protect the boundary waters. You can get out there someday soon.
And if you're curious about what Voyagers National Park and Quetico Provincial Park have to offer that's different, stay tuned for our next episodes. You can subscribe to the Trip Center on iTunes and follow us on Twitter. Thanks for listening and stay safe out there.